Welcome to the Mind and Body Strong podcast, a place for women to redefine their relationship with food and their body, tune into their inner wisdom, and become the best version of themselves. My name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm an anti-diet and body image coach, certified personal trainer, and lover of all things travel, brunch, and personal growth. Join us each week as we share insightful conversations with guest experts, along with my own personal stories and teachings that aim to help you reconnect your mind, body, and spirit while releasing old beliefs, dogma, and expectations that no longer serve you. Each episode is packed with nuggets of wisdom that are sure to leave you feeling inspired, challenged, and empowered to take action in your own life. Shy away from tough topics? No way. In this space, we welcome things including mental health, sex, diversity, eating disorders, weight stigma, and all that comes with having a human experience. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me. So grab a notebook, pen, and some headphones, and let's dive in. All right. Welcome in, Instagram fam. My name is Katie Pichinowski. I'm an anti-diet and body image coach, and I'm going to have a guest popping on here with me today because we have a really important conversation to start talking about and teasing out today. And it's this topic of trusting your body. I've been talking a lot about my current program, which is the Trust Your Body Coaching Experience. It's my private coaching experience to really help you move away from diet culture and to mend the relationship between food and your body. And I have the ultimate privilege to invite someone here to, who's also a food freedom coach, who's also a certified trainer like myself in the Dallas area. And her and I have been connected through the fitness community here in Dallas. And I'm so lucky to know her because she has a wealth of knowledge in the field And I think her story and her insights are really going to hone in on why it's so important to trust our bodies, what might get in the way of trusting our bodies, right? All of these different things are what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go. What's up? What's up, Laura? Thanks for being on here. So audience, this is my friend, Laura Day. She is a food freedom coach and an awesome human being. And like I just prefaced, we're going to have this conversation about body trust and what it means. So first of all, how are you doing today, Laura? Hello. Hello. I'm doing great. Um, I slept really hard last night and woke up and thought it was Friday, but we've recovered. <laughs> we're good. It's actually that good dinosaur. <laughs> how are you? I am doing great. Today is kind of my like relaxed day. So bake some banana bread muffins and just hanging out and ready to talk to you and ready for, for you to share all your knowledge with my audience. So I, I, I suppose let's start with like just a little background on you, just so my audience like, who is Laura? Um, how can she help us? So let us know a little bit about you and how you kind of stepped into this like food freedom space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I would love for you to do the same for anyone who's sure. watching community. So um, my name is Lara Days. I'm actually a musician by trade. And I spent basically my whole life doing music and sports all the way up through college. And after college was kind of left to my own devices to figure out how to move my body and all of those things because I was no longer in organized sports. So I tried all sorts of things. I got into yoga, did my yoga teacher certification. I started running, which is hilarious. I've run three half marathons, but I think I could maybe squeak out a 5k these days. (laughs) Uh, 
started doing CrossFit and that's when I really started paying more attention to food. Um, and I realized that after years of being in the fitness space, I knew absolutely nothing about nutrition. So I did my precision nutrition certification and started coaching people kind of the way that I thought you were supposed to coach people with nutrition. And I was giving people macros and we were tracking habits, which I still think um, tracking habits can be a really great thing. But what I started learning very quickly was that these, these issues people had were much deeper than just not knowing what to eat. And so that's when I really started shifting more into a space of like, okay, let's figure out where this comes from. What was your parents' relationship with food like? How did they speak to their bodies? How did, how did they, how were they being around you? Um, and if it wasn't parents, maybe it was friends, roommates, and just really looking at our experience with food and with our body. And that usually gets us a lot more, it gets us a lot farther in our healing than, oh, I need to eat more protein. Because yeah, you probably do need to eat more protein, but we need to maybe work on <laughs> things that are a little bit deeper than that. So I'm actually teaching middle school music all the way up until last May and I did not go back to school this year and I am which what a time to quit your teaching job let me just say um so yeah I'm doing this full time now amazing I love that you have that formal like nutrition background and you approached that first like you said with quotes like how I should be doing it, right? Because that was very much the mentality I came into the fitness space of too. I just went more the traditional personal training route. But again, it's like they expect personal trainers and I don't even have like traditional nutrition education like yourself, but it's like all of a sudden you're supposed to know how to tell people how to eat. I was a part of a, a health coaching company that was an MLM and that's how I kind of got started in this whole journey. And all of a sudden I was supposed to be this expert, right? Follow these plans, do these workouts, everything will work out a-okay, right? Except for like you had mentioned, it's so much deeper. It's about one thing that really caught my attention is you had said like, it's who you're being, right? Like in that process, that is so much important than like what we're actually doing as, you know, eat more protein, veggies, right. all these, that's great, but there's some deeper level stuff that's going on there that we probably need to look at. Totally. And it's, and it's all nuanced. And the thing about, you know, finding uh, support when it comes to whether it's simply that surface level, I don't know what to eat, or whether it's the deeper, you know, I don't feel at home in my body and I'm afraid of certain foods and whatever that looks like, everyone's journey is different. And, you know, one of the quotes that is super cheesy, but so true that I like is if we all moved the same and ate the same, we would still look different. And, you know, we all need different things. Our body reacts differently, right? I had someone DM me, I posted something about like, there are no good and bad foods. And she said something about how, you know, well, my husband can't eat gluten, so gluten's bad. And I'm like, well, for him, yes. But like, I, just because I can't eat dairy, that doesn't mean no one should eat dairy, right? And you know, that's a very surface level um, analogy, all just to say that it's, it's just a lot more nuanced and a lot more individual than mm -hmm. just 
giving these basic level, you know, eat more protein, eat more veggies. Like, yes, we know people know that, you know, yep. people know that. So if it were that easy, I wouldn't have a job. You wouldn't have a job. <laughs> sure. No, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. Well, before I know we want to like dive into some body trust yes. stuff, but I did see a couple of my, a couple people from my community hop on. So tell us your little elevator pitch story. Yeah, absolutely. It would be, it would be my pleasure. So I didn't really have a lot to do with until after college, after college, I pretty much up until that point been living by the story that my body is different. It was kind of, I used it as a way to hold back from being the fullest version of myself. And I kind of, at that point, really just accepted that that's just how it was. I was lucky enough to not have put myself into restrictive diets or restrictive workout plans or, you know, like intense workout plans up until that point. But when I graduated college, there was just like this different shift that had happened. And I think that was kind of coming from that last semester of college where I did live with a lot of other girls and they were very concerned about what they were eating and going to the gym every day. And so I would follow along. And I remember actually that that was like the first holiday season. I remember having a lot of obsession around food and like fear around the holidays and like what foods were going to be available. But that kind of led me into at graduating college. I, I had this narrative in my head that I don't have any more excuses. It's time to like you know, go at this, this body shame I've been feeling my entire life and, and fix it in the traditional way that we're told that we should do the diets, do the exercise plans. So that's what I did. And of course, you know, when you participate in those things and like most weight loss programs do, they work at first until, <laughs> until they don't. <laughs> and that came with a lot of like praise and compliments and things, right? And so it, it makes you want to stay in the system right? Until you, you start to see like the yo-yo factor happening. So I was experiencing that for about three years where I do the diet, lose the weight, then I'd gain it back, feel awful, like worse than when I started. And then that would propel me to spend more money and do the next program and buy the supplement shakes and do all that stuff, right? So in the meantime of all of that, I got my certified personal training certificate and I started teaching boot camp. So I was basically living off my health coaching and teaching boot camps here in Texas for Camp Gladiator. And that was what I lived by. But what really kind of propelled me over the edge was when I participated in an 80 day program in the beginning of 2018. It was an intense nutrition and fitness program. I was also at the same time while doing hour long workouts every single day at my house was participating in hour long boot camps, most like probably two to two to three times a week at my boot camps that I was teaching while training for a half marathon, which I also would barely be able to run like five days as well. Glad we're on the so, same page. <laughs> it's intense and I never had a day off. I didn't allow myself to have a day off. I was just working out, working out. All my meals were regimented. You could only eat certain things at certain times. And that was the first time I actually really intensely followed the nutrition plan. I'd kind of always just kind of followed it before, not that intensely. But after that experience, I remember like the short high of like, I've done it. I've made it to the top, so to speak. And then the really hard fall that happened afterwards, which happened when I was on a trip right after in Cancun. And I was feeling like so great. Oh my God, I had abs for the first time. And then the self-doubt and the worry just sets in because now I have to maintain this. Mm -hmm. And 
I remember most of my memories from that trip, which was supposed to be a really fun time, was me obsessing about the food. I would be like, I remember specifically like looking over and seeing the cupcake and dessert cases and like just eyeballing it and I'd start eating something and then I would just keep eating it because I'd restricted it for like three months. And I remember specifically coming back from that trip and, and saying to myself, I don't trust my body to know what to eat. I don't trust myself. That was like exactly what I said to myself. I, I have to follow these meal plans. I don't trust myself. Mm -hmm. And so that led into this whole up and down, really, really intense binge and diet, binge and diet, binge and diet until it was just strictly binging for nine months. Oh. And yeah. And I knew at that time as well that these business models that I was preaching to people were not helping. And people were telling me, hey, you know, this isn't really working for me. And it had from from them telling me that it made me take a really hard look at myself and be like is this really working for me and it truly wasn't it was really harming me because i would still look in the mirror and say i don't like myself i still feel broken why do i not feel like you know why am i still experiencing all these negative things right because we're we're told that once you finish these programs everything will be fine everything will just work out you'll never experience negative emotions again that's pretty much what i experienced and when you get there and you realize you still have a human experience and you still have to experience really negative things and actually address the real issues that are going on, it feels very hard to address that. So I addressed it. I quit both of those businesses, got a corporate job so I could support myself through healing. And that's when I found intuitive eating. And intuitive eating quite literally saved my life. It, like I learned about it and in two weeks I stopped binging. And then the real work came, which is what I focus on a lot now with my clients, which is the body image healing stuff, because the way that we feel about our body is how we are in, informing how we eat. So until we address that, like the food stuff won't make sense, because if we're con constantly looking at that, how we feel about our bodies, how we think about our bodies, and then eating from that place, and we don't feel good about ourselves, we're not truly allowing ourselves to, I feel like, experience that full, like, satisfaction with food and to really allow ourselves to eat the things with permission because we still have that belief that our bodies have to look a certain way mm -hmm. right so I really stepped into that work and now that's really what I'm passionate about is doing that deeper level healing with people to understand like why they feel the way they do about their bodies and food and how they can actually help shift that from that deeper level like very much what you do so yeah mm -hmm. now now we're here and we're working from that perspective <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. That is a vulnerable story, but one that obviously changed, you know, your life and led you to this really, really important work. So that's amazing. Yeah. So that's really interesting that the first thing that you thought was, I don't trust my body. I remember specifically thinking that. And it's so, it's so interesting because, so I guess I'll share that I have not had a tumultuous relationship with food specifically, which I am learning that I am in the mi minority here, and I feel very lucky <laughs> and grateful for that. I have had, I've done like the overworking out for sure. Like that, the, the relationship to movement has not always been healthy or safe. And what I actually have learned for myself now, because I, I will have realizations about things in the past 
but I really like to relate to things that I'm feeling now. And so I don't know if you ever feel this way as a business owner, but I'll find that I, when I start looking to other people for what I should be doing in my business, I'm like, oh fuck, I don't trust myself to do this myself. Like I don't trust my own sense of what's best for my business and what's best for my clients. And that is what set the light bulb off of like, oh my God, if people don't trust their body, of course they're going to act like they're going to look for meal plans. They're going to follow diets. They're going to follow all of these other things because where else are they supposed, how else are they supposed to know? Yeah. No, you're totally spot on with that because if we're, we're conditioned to feel that way, right? Like the, the answers are out here somewhere and there's this perfect regimented program that's going to lead you to success. And it just doesn't happen like that because we are all individual humans and, and we have different needs and we have different desires and we have to be able to, to tune in and honor that. And it doesn't work the same way for every single person. I couldn't run my business the way you run your business because I'm not you. Right. It work like that. I wish it did, guys, but it just, it truly doesn't. (laughs) That would be so much easier. It would be so much But I think it's so interesting because I don't think that people realize that our bodies are way smarter than we are, Mm. right? And I don't necessarily love saying it that way because, like, we are our body and our body is us. Like, we are all one single unit, but just the, the way that it works and the signals that it gives and the fact that like, it tells us when we need to pee, it tells us when we need to eat, but like somehow we ignore it when it tells us we need to eat or sleep. Like it just, we don't know how to listen to it. And if we don't know how to listen to it, we're not going to be able to trust it. Yeah. Yeah. And that it, it's, we really learn to disconnect from those, those senses. Like you brought up like sleep, right? Some of the, one of the things I'm kind of resonating for me, as you said that is I used to really overwork myself and just work and work and work and work. And I don't typically ever get sick, but the times I will get sick is when I ignore my need to rest. And when I push through and when I keep working, cause I could just work, 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 work. Um, but if I ignore that need to rest, I will get physically ill. And it's like my body's break system to be like, hey, you're not listening yep. again. I'm going to need you to slow down, right? But now it's like I, I, I hear that calling so much easier and quicker now because I've like rebuilt that, that connection. What I like to you know, say is the mind-body connection, right? Our mind gets in the way of our body telling us what it needs. Totally. I was that way with injury. When I did CrossFit, it was always about like, I, well, I can't take a day off. I can't miss a training session. Like, yeah, my shoulder hurts, but like, it'll be fine. And it's like, no, if you don't take rest days and you don't listen to the blatantly obvious signals that your body is giving you, it will figure out how to make you slow down. Whether that's making you sick when you overwork or whether that's an injury, if you're not taking rest days, it'll make us listen. And that's what binge eating is, right? Your body is, for the most part, I will say, you know, someone reached out to me um, very lovingly and said, you know, binge eating can also be due to trauma. Yes, 100%. I feel like most common with my clients, at least, it's that they're ignoring their hunger cues, right? And if you're not listening to your body, it's going to make you (laughs) listen. Yeah. 
our body will go to extremes to protect our survival. It's what people recognize, right? So it's like all of these things that we've just listed here are ways that we are out of touch with our body, right? Like they're kind of the, the distress signals, the SOS, like white flag being waved in the air, like, hey, hello, um, you need to rest, you need to calm down, you are injured, um, you need to eat, right? And so I always like to picture this too as like with food, how it was for me, because I was a big binge eater and it was because I was not honoring my hunger and going on restrictive diets, it felt almost like I would hold my breath for a really long time as if you're going underwater. And then when you, what do you do when you come up out of the water after you've held your, held your breath for so long? You gasp, <gasps> right? That's yep. the experience of binge eating. It was like, eat all the food until it's gone. And then it's like, you like wake up or something. It was a very intense experience. And I knew it was happening, but it's, it's just, I couldn't stop it. It was just, I had to like almost get to the other side of that. Um, a lot of that, you know, a lot of what I had to do was also eliminate the guilt that came with that. Cause that is what continues to keep it going, I think. And I'd yeah. love to hear that too. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's, you know, a full circle back to if we understand what our body is telling us, the mm. like, of guilt is so much lower. If we understand that we're binge eating because our body's trying to save our life, then we tend to not feel like that doesn't sound like something we all feel guilty about, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so guilty that my body's trying to save my life. Like, no, if you think about it that way, you have a better understanding and you have more self-compassion, right? Yeah. It's, it's when we don't understand that it, it turns into, oh, I just don't have any willpower. I just don't have any discipline. I just can't stick to the plan. And that narrative, which comes from diet culture and the mm -hmm. need to constantly shrink our body, that's mm -hmm. where the guilt comes from. The guilt doesn't come from giving our body what we, what we need, right? right? Right, exactly. It's coming from those outside narratives. Like oftentimes the voices that we're hearing, they're not even ours. There's something we picked up from a friend or a family member or the media. And we just adopted that as our own. We don't even learn to question those things until, you know, we, they, like clients like us come into our experience and they're like, oh, wait, I get a choice here. Like, this is my choice. Yes. Like you get to have the autonomy over your body and your experience. It's like such a novel concept uh, when you first start into it, at least it was for me. So I would love to hear too, what are the ways, I know you said you experienced it mostly with over-exercising and injury. What were, I guess, what was like the breaking point for you that you realized, like, I need to actually listen to this calling and, and, uh, and heal myself? So I had been doing CrossFit for a while and I was getting hurt and I was like, well, maybe it's just because I... Like, I'm not strong enough. So I'll do Olympic weightlifting to get stronger so that I can get better at CrossFit. That was the initial impetus. And I was doing Olympic weightlifting. For a while, I was doing both. I would literally go to CrossFit, and then I would go to a two-hour Olympic weightlifting class right after, two days a week. So, like, three hours of training. And I wasn't probably eating enough to fuel that level of activity either, which is another reason I got injured because our bodies need fuel to function properly. And it got to the point where I was doing Olympic weightlifting classes, working with a coach, 
and I had hurt my back. So it was like hurting even just to set up before I lifted the barbell. And then I competed in a meet and I hurt my wrist. Like Mm -hmm. um, I did a clean and luckily I had wrist wraps on or it would have been far worse. Um, But the barbell like bent over my wrist and that kind of had me down for the count. I was, I was still lifting, but I couldn't do any snatches. I couldn't do any cleans. It was really just, I was isolated to squats and pulls and that was pretty much it. And at the same time, I was working with a nutrition coach. I use that term very loosely Mm -hmm. and she really had me under eating and that prolonged my healing because when we're injured, much like when we're sick, our body is working extra and we need more energy, not less energy. And so it really just came to like, it was months and months and months of being injured. And every time I tried to get back into it, it was like, my hip is hurting, my back is hurting, my wrist is hurting, and something was always hurting. And I just got fed up. I was like, I can't fucking keep doing this. Like my body hurts. And so that's when I just was like, I'm just going to do some bodybuilding like four days a week, whatever. And I started sleeping better. My body started healing. I wasn't hurting. And it was just the proof that I didn't know I needed that more is not better. More is just more. And so that is kind of how, and I had to learn the hard way. And, you know, just like you probably tell your clients, our job is to have you learn from our mistakes so that you don't have to make them. So that was a learning opportunity for me. And, you know, I still don't feel a hundred percent all the time. My body, like I don't feel a hundred percent all the time because I think unfortunately I did some more or less permanent damage, but it does what I need it to do. I don't need to compete in Olympic weightlifting anymore. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I do five workouts and I feel really good most of the time. And if I need to modify, I modify. That was a huge lesson for my ego too, was I constantly had just been like, I need to be the best. I need to be the strongest. I need to look the fittest, which fits not even a look in my head. It was at the time. I'm actually posting about that this week, but yeah, my, like I had to learn that my ego was not my amigo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best little phrase. (laughs) I did not make it up, so I can't take credit for it, but I don't remember where I saw it. Ego is not my amigo. But I also (laughs) said to you that you learned that more isn't better. It's just more. It's just more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that in the personal training, you know, arenas that we both live in, I think that's something that I come to recognize a lot with my clients is they're injured and they're not taking time off. They're not listening to their bodies. Like I have had clients say, you know, like, Oh, I got like a sprained ankle and they're like doing lunges. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like you need to (laughs) go home or members who don't take rest days. And I'm like, listen, I'm gonna have to cancel your class today. <laughs> like, let's yeah. talk about the intention behind which we're doing this. Yes. Right. What, what's really going on there, right? What is the thought process and the feelings that are going on behind the scenes that are promoting this action? Cause I know it's, it's not about the action, you know, they, 
what I was going to say. Anyways, they just don't, they, they want to keep going, right? Because they feel like, and this is probably a common belief that you and maybe your clients have come up against. Like if I stop, then I can't start again, right? So they just feel like they need to keep running forward, whether it be with exercise, going really, really hard um, from the get-go or a nutrition plan or both and just keep running because they feel like if they take a break, they won't get back to it. Have you ever experienced that or have other clients experienced that too? Not necessarily the fear of taking a break. Um, but what I see a lot that's kind of, it probably stems from the same place is the all or nothing mindset. Like yeah. I do all of the things I have to do all these workouts. I have to do, I have to eat perfectly, whatever that even means, you know? Right. And it's like, if one thing goes wrong, wrong, so many quotes, if one thing goes wrong, then like the whole day is shot or I'm a failure or whatever. And it's this spiral. And so we work a lot. I work a lot with my clients on the idea of 1% better every day. We mm-hmm. cannot just go from sitting on the couch, not moving our bodies, eating fast food three days a week to all of a sudden doing this complete lifestyle overhaul and like doing CrossFit and running and doing yoga and eating vegetables 18 times a day, right? Like we just can't, it's too much at once. And so we talk a lot about that. And I think that because of that, it really helps with the sense of there's something to be said for inertia it is hard to kind of get that ball rolling again once it stops, but it's not possible. And I think having that idea of 1% better every day allows them to give themselves a little bit more grace and think like, okay, well, maybe I can't go to F45 today, but can I go for a walk or can I do a gentle yoga class or like how else can I move my body instead? Yeah, I love the idea of 1% better because you're right that this lifestyle overhaul overnight is like a very prominent thing in the health and fitness space where you just need to, you know, clean your cabinets out, clean your fridge out and just completely start from scratch. It's like that, you know, diet starts Monday mentality where you have to like clear all the bad habits, so to speak, and just start everything at once. And I'm so glad that you called that out as that all or nothing thinking pattern, because oftentimes when we see that happening in our food and in our, you know, workout exercise relationship, it's often happening in other areas of our life too. Totally. How I would love to hear when, when you have a new client or someone who's really struggling just with this, this whole idea of like listening to my body, trusting mm-hmm. my body, what does the start of that work look like? So I think the start of it really is a lot of education of like kind of why dieting hasn't worked, why, you know, trying to shrink ourselves hasn't worked, like logically understanding that that's doesn't work for us. And I think slowly building that trust back up, whether it be starting to slowly honor our hunger cues, right? Slowly starting to build permission with food to know that there's, you're not going to be deprived of those things anymore, right? You have to slowly build that up. But one thing I've realized from my experience and from working with clients is that oftentimes they want to think their way to the end of their goal. And it's often less about thinking through it and more about like dropping into your body. So like 
that was a really foreign concept to me about a year and a half ago of actually like quieting my mind, dropping down. What does my body have to say about this? And actually like feeling my emotions. Cause I feel like myself and for my clients, like if you've ever heard the model of like, you know, you have thoughts that produce actions, produce actions, produce results. So it kind of goes in that little order. I feel like what I, what my brain likes to do is go from thought to action to result, thought to action to result, skip the feeling. I don't want to feel those. <laughs> yeah. So I think allowing permission to actually feel our emotions and process through them can be a really, really important part because then we can use those feelings as a compass, the good and the bad, right? They get to be our compass on what's right for us, right? Which is an individual experience. I can't tell my clients how to feel about certain things, but I can help them guide through that process and change their mindset about how they're reacting to those emotions. So I think that's kind of, that's what's coming through right now is something that's kind of important that we might not recognize yeah. is trusting our bodies and trusting our emotions. Because oftentimes what I was experiencing when I would have those like negative emotions is like, oh, oh no, something's gone wrong, but nothing has really gone wrong. It's actually, everything is perfectly on track. We just have to learn to look at those as more of a guiding principle rather than almost like an avenue to like beat ourselves up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love, you know, one thing that, that occurred to me while you were talking was that I think we've decided as a society that discomfort is a negative emotion and that negative emotions should be avoided. And first of all, discomfort is not, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? Like the definition of that is that it doesn't feel comfortable, but that doesn't mean that it's negative. Mm -hmm. And we still have to honor negative emotions just like we do the positive ones. So I love that you said that. I, I also just, I like this idea uh, as a teacher and as someone who was teaching music, a lot of the things, a lot of the tools that I use are like tangible things. And so, for example, one of the, the things that I'll have my clients start with, um, and I actually just put out a little freebie, like a three-day Trust Your Body course, and I think it's the very first, or for day one or two, is just do a mind-body scan. Like, first thing in the morning, check in with yourself. How and, and part of that is the emotions, those types of feelings, right? Like, are you feeling angry? Are you feeling anxious? And then how does that connect to your body, right? Like I feel anxiety in my chest. I feel my intuition in my spleen. Like I, I have very, I've done this work, right? So like I have the awareness, but if we don't, then that's going to interfere with our ability to trust our bodies. And so literally just, you know, my legs are really sore from my workout. Like that's tuning into your body. Absolutely. And then using that information to decide what your body needs that day would be the next step, right? Like, okay, I'm really sore from my workout. Is it to the level of like, man, I should take today off? Or is it like, I, it kind of sounds good to like get moving again and, and get some of that stiffness out, right? We get to decide, but we have to listen in order to make the right decision. Yeah, I love that idea that that like mind and body scan to really check in. And again, asking those questions of like, what is it that I need? 
and to just be able to experiment with different things because we often like maybe we don't have those coping mechanisms yet and so we get to try new things on and see how does this make me feel is this for me right we could hear all day long that meditation is great but if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you you know it's not the end-all be-all tool luckily there's so many tools to help us through and once we become more aware, like you said, of like where those emotions are sitting, what is it that we actually need? Is my body sore today? Do I want to go do another intense workout? Do I actually need to rest? Like the more we do that in honoring those little pieces, like that's where the trust really starts to happen. So and I love that you said that you put that in your course. I love the idea of the little course that you created with the Trust Your Body, like three-day course. So tell us a little bit more about the inspiration behind that and the goal of that little mini course. Yeah. So it kind of comes back to what we were chatting about at the beginning of, of this conversation, which is like knowledge is, well, first of all, not necessarily the missing link. I think there's certainly a huge gap in education around nutrition, and I will be the first person to say that, but everything's Googleable, right? Like you yeah. can look up how much protein you should be eating. I'm, you don't need to hire me to tell you that, right? Like you can find that on the internet. And so it was more like, okay, what is something that is basic, right? Because this isn't anything serious. It's a free opt-in. Um, it's like eight pages and the first page is a title page or something. Like it's just not a super complex course. And so mm -hmm. I wanted it to be something that really was like a, like a foot in the door and that I saw kind of turning into maybe a daily practice because it really just includes things like a mind body scan. Um, one of the things I think the first assignment before starting the course is to write down what your body actually feels when it's hungry because a lot of times you'll get people eating because they're avoiding feeling their emotions or they're bored or whatever it is or on the flip side ignoring those hunger cues and both of those are not what we should be aiming for, right? Like we should be listening to when we're hungry and eating because we're hungry and stopping when we're full. And so writing down like, okay, how do I feel? Do I get a headache? Does my stomach rumble? Um, do I get shaky? Like what, what are those physical sensations when you're actually hungry? And then the following day, it's like, okay, how are you feeling? Check in with yourself during the day. If you're shaky and that's one of the things that you wrote down, like go get some damn food, right? If you're not, if you're not feeling any of those physical cues, then why do you actually want to go get food? Why are you reaching for snacks if it's not because you're feeling those physical cues? And so just the, the point of this course is really just to start building that awareness and to tell people like, this is, and I, I say this hopefully in a way that is empowering, but like, this is on you. Like you get to do this work and no one else can do it for you. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, that was the impetus was like, what's something that I don't, there are a million grocery lists online. There are a million like three day eating plant. Like I didn't want to do something like that. Right. It's like, everyone's already done that. What's something else that I can do that I don't think people have a lot of access to. Yeah. I love the idea of build, like building that in a way that allows it to be a daily practice. 
because that's truly what it gets to be. And like you had mentioned with reaching for the snacks, it's almost like it, we, we give ourselves that opportunity to look at that. Okay, I'm not angry, so that that feeling that I'm just not aware of yet, right? And that was a big thing for me because food was like the biggest coping mechanism I had. And so being able to be, build that awareness around that made me so much more in tune with myself and like you said, bringing compassion into what it was I actually needed, which sometimes is like rest. Sometimes it's like stimulation. Like you need to go like walk or do something else, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I just need a break. And being able to understand that can be so empowering because now you can truly just have your own back. Mm -hmm. And having that awareness around our body and our emotions as, and I think you said something about this earlier, that bleeds into every other aspect of our lives. And so once we start to really tune in to how we're feeling, both physically and mentally and emotionally, all of a sudden we might notice that we're setting better boundaries at work. We're asking mm -hmm. for what we need in our relationships. And like, it's just the ripple effect when we really start to focus on ourselves is huge. And I think people don't, people don't think about the fact that when we take better care of ourselves, we really do show up better for other people and we take better care of them too. So, you yeah, know, so it's a win, -win of like learning to trust your body, right? Like you had mentioned better boundaries. You are able to show up with, to the people around you with probably more energy and probably in a better mood because you're actually taking care of what you need and not outsourcing that power to these meal plans and workout plans. Like you actually have the power now. So it's probably, you know, going to give you that energy back too. I know oh, it, for, it sure. for me, spent so much energy all day long trying to figure out what to eat, when to eat, where I was going to get it, how I was going to exercise to burn it off. And it consumed my life. Mm -hmm. So it just got so much more brain space back when I was able to let go, let go of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. And it, another, another thing that I really like about just the, the whole practice of tuning in to your needs is uh, I think that diet culture has really done a number on moralizing, not just food, but specific behaviors. And mm -hmm. I, what I want for people is for us to eat when we're hungry and also stop when we're full. And I think that there's a lot of like, oh, like suppress your hunger, suppress your hunger, suppress your hunger messaging, but it can be just as harmful to ignore when we're full. And this is why having a sense of what our body needs really will bring our body to its happy, healthy homeostasis is because we're not gonna undereat, we're not gonna overeat, we're not mm -hmm. gonna under exercise we're not going to over exercise like we're truly just doing exactly what our body is telling us that we need to do yeah absolutely like able to find your own like homeostasis this middle this gray zone right it's no longer becoming like those two examples were very much in that black or white thinking you're either here or here right and so we have to allow ourselves to come to this middle place which is uncertain which it might feel unfamiliar it might feel a little scary and uncomfortable and that's where working with coaches like Laura and myself can be really impactful to help you kind of eliminate some of that self-doubt in the process 
as you learn to reconnect with your body, I know you probably feel the same way, but we want our clients to have that agency in their life so that they don't have to have us to tell them like what to eat, and what to do. We want them to have that power. Right. And then we bring those guiding questions to help them build those connections, like a mind body scan, learning how to use a hunger and fullness scale. So they actually can like visually see how this relates. Right. Um, so, so many amazing things. We have covered so much ground in such a little amount of time, but I am going to play this on the podcast so that we can reach even more people with this conversation. So I'd love for you to tell my audience a little bit about where they can find you and some of the things that you currently have offered so that they, if they want to come work with you, they can do that. Amazing. So I am mostly on the gram at lara.days, L-A-R-A. It's not Laura. I've been trying to buy a vowel for 33 years, still working on it. So it's L-A-R-A dot D-A-Y-S. Um, and I am enrolling clients right now. I just restructured everything so that I have a little bit more bandwidth to take on more clients, help more people. I'm enrolling for both one-on-one and I am going to run another round of my signature group coaching program, the Nutrition Empowerment Project, starting in mid to late September. So. Yeah, that's where you can find me. I love to chat, so you can always send me a DM. I, I like to shoot the shit. I think it's called social media for a reason. I really like being social, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Go send her a follow all my friends here who are on the gram or who are listening to this playback on the podcast. Laura is amazing, and I'm so like blessed to know you in this space and that you are just right down the street here in Dallas so that we can just catch up and, and be able to chat and share this message together. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's always great chatting. We will need to do it again. Yes, I agree. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode of the Mind and Body Strong podcast. If you loved this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave a five-star rating and review or share a screenshot of the episode on your social media platforms. This helps even more women be able to find the podcast and move towards their own personal transformation. Or come on over to Instagram and send me a DM. Let me know what you thought of the episode or let me know about future topics you'd love to hear here on the podcast. Sending love to you no matter where you're at in the world, my friends. Until next week, take care.